Tonight, we sort the living and the dead of the MCU, we will see the last cameo of the man soon, and I interview author Dayton Ward on this edition of Multiverse Tonight! There are many universes out there. Welcome to the one with news about all the others. This is Multiverse Tonight. Now, here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello. Hello and welcome to uh, this show. I'm your host, Thomas Townley, back for the from the 20th edition of Plant Comic Con, Kansas City. And it was pretty awesome. Uh, we saw a lot of great cosplay. And you can see all the uh, pictures on our website, Instagram. We got a couple of good interviews with a couple of great authors, Dayton Ward and Kevin Dilmore. We'll have Dayton's interview in this episode and Kevin's in the next. Uh, they will be also put out on YouTube. Uh, special thanks to my wife and videographer, Sarah. We got some autographs from Linda Blair, Ray Mysterio, and the voice of Archer's Pam Poovey, uh, Amber Nash. We went to a few panels, met some more podcasters, met some old friends, and had a great time in downtown Kansas City. I am so looking forward to next year's con next March, the weekend of the 20th. Now, if you're watching the Orville, I've been live-tweeting the show over on Twitter. Just watch for my feed starting at 8 p.m. Central Time. That's 1 a.m. UTC for those overseas. And be sure to check out MultiverseTonight.com to see show notes, affiliate links, the occasional original column, and much, much more. Now, before I start the show tonight, I'd like to spend a moment to talk about Linda Blair's charity, the Linda Blair World Heart Foundation. Its mission is to rescue, educate, alleviate suffering, and improve the lives of animals and people. They advocate spaying and neutering your pets, adopting pets from rescues and shelters, not buying from pet stores, and being prepared for natural disasters. You can check them out and give them a hand by visiting their website at lindablairworldheart.org. Linda, Linda Blair World Heart, that's all one word. Uh, now let's get on with the show. We start with uh, Star Trek news. Star Trek Discovery is winding down this for the season, and at a panel at WonderCon this past weekend in An Anaheim, California, they had the Star Trek Discovery inside the visual effects panel. On the dais was director and executive producer Olutunde Osanami, visual effects supervisors Jason Zimmerman and Ante Kovac, and pre-visualization supervisor Stephen Pavelski. They talked about the challenges they faced this season, such as the Red Angel, which according to uh, Osanami, quote, The Red Angel took so much department, d different departments to pull together correctly with costume and props. For VFX, from when Alex Kurtzman first came with the idea, and it was an 18-week build to build it. And the VFX was to build a full CG character of that. We have to make sure it fits on the character, it has to go on. And then the VFX has to make sure it does all these wondrous things it has to do and make it look real and legit. I think that, at least for us on the production side, that took the most time. I can remember a lot of 1am phone calls with Jason Zimmerman." Unquote. 
Also discussed was the challenging asteroid sequence in the season premiere. Apparently, it was Alex Kurtzman's idea, and that the that started on it should, and that should start on and finished up on season one. And even though it was a huge effort, Zimmerman joked, quote, "We did the asteroid sequence, and it was a massive CG undertaking. And I think Alex's favorite thing was probably making Linus blink. He laughs every time." Unquote. They also discussed how they tried to make sure the effects didn't overshine the story. Jason Zimmerman said, quote, Obviously, it is served by technology which is blisteringly fast, so we are going to continue to grow and be able to do better versions of CG people where you are not going to be able to tell at some point. But the one thing we can't do with visual effects is write the story and make the story. So it is still our job, regardless of how flashy we can get, that we still have to tell the story. That is why we have to work with production and everyone else. We can make some really flashy stuff, but if the at the end of the day it doesn't tell a Star Trek story, then it doesn't do anybody any good. Unquote. A new ad from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention features the story of Leonard Nimoy. The ad, part of their Tips from Former Smokers campaign, showcases stories of people who have suffered from smoking-related illness, and the devastation that impacts on their illness and on their smokers' families. The ad features Susan Nimoy, wife of Lair Nimoy. Let's watch. I'm Susan Nimoy, and I was married to Leonard Nimoy. He was very, very funny. He was very poetic, very empathic, very sensitive. He was kind to people, gracious, elegant. He was, you know, a wonderful, unique man. He had chronic breathing difficulties for as long as I, I knew him. Leonard was diagnosed with COPD. The doctor gave him a bunch of new prescriptions and then began a physical therapy program, stationary oxygen in the house, portable oxygen. It became the story of his life and mine. And um, he became more and more weak and more and more oxygen dependent. The last month where he had to go to emergency three times, it was traumatic for both of us, really excruciatingly scary. I'm sorry. You know, when you love someone, you don't want them to die. We were all there at 8.04 a.m. on February 27th when the nurse said, he's gone. Yeah, it's very sad, isn't it? <sighs> the CDC estimates that between 2012 and 2015, over 9 million Americans tried to quit smoking cigarettes, because of the campaign, and over half a million quit for good. If you need encouragement to stop smoking, you can call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit the CDC at www.cdc.gov tips for help. Space Jam 2. Yeah, you don't know how much I want to walk away right there. Has added Sonequa Martin-Green to the cast. She will be playing LeBron James's wife. Not much is known about the movie, but it's expected that Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, 
Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's a hard name, will be teaming up with the Looney Tunes against something. The film will be directed by Terrence Nance and produced by Black Panther director Ryan Coogler. It will be out July of 2021. Star Trek fans in Ireland want to look up to Chief Miles O'Brien. Alex Smythe of Dublin has launched a petition to put a statue of the Deep Space Nine Chief of Operations somewhere in the city of Dublin. Miles O'Brien was first introduced as a recurring character on Star Trek The Next Generation back in Season 1 of the show. He eventually got a name, a wife, and a new job on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where he usually found himself being tortured in one way or the other. The petition on ipetitions.com already has 2,445 signatures. If you'd like to sign, we'll have a link to it in our show notes. Now, here's the interview with Dayton Ward. Welcome to Planet Comic Con 2019. I'm Thomas Townley, and I'm here with Mr. Dayton Ward, uh, author extraordinaire, man of, man of talent. I don't know about any of that. I'll cop to the name. I don't know about the rest of it. So. And uh, so, uh, first, give us kind of the dust jacket version of, of your of your career. Okay, uh, I write science fiction, and within that, I write a lot of licensed property science fiction. So, like Star Trek novels, and Twenty Four, and Mars Attacks, and Planet of the Apes. So, I, I got my start by writing a short story for a contest, a Star Trek short story contest. And uh, after I won a couple of those, they offered me a Star Trek novel contract, and I've been doing it ever since. So it's about 20 years now. 20 years, wow. And uh, so how many, how many books have you written in that time? I've written uh, between either by myself or writing with Kevin, my partner. Uh, we've written 26 novels. I'm getting ready to start number 27. And a whole bunch of shorter novellas and short stories and magazine articles and website articles and whatever else they want me to write. And uh, what's your latest work? My newest book is a Star Trek Next Generation novel called Available Light, and it will be on sale on our, our April 9th, so that's two weeks from now. Oh, cool. Can't... A week from now, just over a week from now. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, it's if you, it, it helps if you've read some of the previous uh, Next Generation novels. It's we have an ongoing storyline that takes place several years after the last movie with Captain Picard, and uh, Captain Picard's in a bit of hot water because of some stuff he did several years earlier that has now come to light, and so he's basically on the hook and answering for what would be considered treason. Cool. Okay, and uh, we, we have a lot more Star Trek now. We now have Discovery, and we're getting a Picard series, and then animated series, and all that. Uh, if they ask you to write anything for the, anything for that, would you? Well, I've already written a... I wrote a Star Trek Discovery novel that came out last year. Uh, yes, the answer to answer your question, yes. If they asked me to write something for one of the new shows, I would absolutely do it. Cool. And, uh, of course, you, of course, you mentioned you've written Plan of the Apes novels and stuff like that. Is there anything that if, if someone came to you and said, you can write for this, for this uh, particular property, is there something that you'd want to do? Okay, so for, let's say, for modern stuff, like stuff that's current in movies and TV, I would totally write an Orville novel if they did it. Uh, and I'm also a big fan of John Wick. So if they wanted to do John Wick novels, I'd be there for that. And then for classic stuff, I'm a huge fan of uh, The Six Million Dollar Man from the 70s. I would love to write something with that, whether it's a comic or a story or a novel. 
Cool. So, what would be if if you had to look at the at a, li- a library of, of all your books, what would be the best thing you've ever written? I don't know about best necessarily. That's for somebody else to decide. But um, for favorites, uh, I was a part of a series uh, called Star Trek Vanguard, where we basically wrote a spinoff of the original series, and that was probably one of my very favorite uh, projects for Star Trek. That's a novel. That's a novel. Now, for non-novel stuff, I've written a couple of books that are travel guides to different planets within the Star Trek universe that I'm very fond of. Awesome. And, oh, on, on the subject of that, are there any more coming out? Uh, for the travel guides? Yeah. No more. None are planned right now, but they've been talking about how they can revisit the concept and do something different with it. Cool. Okay. And uh, one quick question. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? A pine tree. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, you look kind of piney. I'm from Florida. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Dayton. And... All right, and we're back with some Star Tre- Star Wars news. We start Star Wars news with new with uh, some new news about the Star Wars: The Mandalorian series that will air on Disney Plus. It's wrapped production, and according to Lucas, a Lucasfilm source to HN Entertainment, a second season is already looking pretty likely. The series is being showrun by John Favreau and stars Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. It's expected to debut in the fall when Disney Plus does. Warner Herzog has revealed a little more about his new role in The Mandalorian. The filmmaker and actor revealed to IndieWire that, quote, Now this is not a secret anymore. A small part, a really small part, in The Mandalorian, the Star Wars sequel, or whatever you call it. I like to do it because I know I'm good on screen, but only if I have to play a real villain, unquote. Star Wars Celebration is just a few days away, and StarWars.com has given a glimpse of a massive mural that will be unveiled at the FanFest. The mural from artists Doug Chang and Jason Palmer will feature images from Episodes 1-9, through 9, the spinoff films, and the animated series. Doug Chang told StarWars.com that I wanted, to scale, I wanted the scale to be theatrical. I felt it was, it was important to make the mural as large as possible to mirror the cinematic experience. At 10 foot tall and 88 feet long, it'll be unlike anything we've done before. Unquote. The idea, according to Chang, came from Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, saying that, quote, She asked if we could create a piece of art that could, would encapsulate the entire Star Wars saga, visually representing the complete series of Star Wars through art. Star Wars Celebration begins on April 11th. For news from, from there, check out Sci-Fi For Me's Salacious Crumbs. They'll have their host McKenna there for the entire event. Carrie Russell dropped by The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and did reveal that she has, quote, the coolest, unquote, costume in the film. Keeping silent has been difficult for her and her son was the first to know that she got the job, quote, I got the call and I was like, ha ha ha, wait, River, my 11 year old, my 11 year old, you can't tell any of your friends, but I'm really doing, but I'm doing a really cool project. It's Star Wars, unquote. Ask if she has any idea of what the title is. She said she had no idea. Now, let's go to some Marvel news. One last cameo. 
That's apparently all that's left for Stan Lee, according to director Joe Russo. Stan did record several cameos prior to his passing. According to Joe Russo, prom promoting Endgame in India, said, quote, I believe that his final cameo is in Endgame. I don't remember if he was well enough to do the cameo in Spider-Man Far From Home, but it was incredible to work with him. I grew up on his comic books. Stanley was an idol of mine as a kid. To be able to have the opportunity to not only to work under the material he created, but to work with him as a childhood was a childhood dream come true. Unquote. Stan has appeared in all 21 Marvel Studios productions. Now, Stan not only did cameos in the Marvel Studios produced films, but also in those produced by other studios, including Fox. So, an appearance by Stan in the latest X-Men film Dark Phoenix was expected. But, in an interview with Cinema Blend, X-Men producer Hutch Parker and director Simon Kinberg confirmed that no cameo will be in the movie. They revealed that instead they will have a tribute to him in the film. Quote, we do have some tribute to him, and it's something that obviously we weren't thinking about when we were making the movie, because he was still very much alive. And he's been such a huge part of making these films over the years. He's had cameos. He's had input into the process of making them. Unquote. And speaking of Dark Phoenix, Alexandra Shipp, who plays Storm, says that the film has a different tone from previous installments. Speaking with ComicBook.com at WonderCon, Ship said, quote, I love the fashion of it. I love the colors. When we first started Apocalypse, it was like walking into a comic book. You felt like you were walking into a comic book, and what I love about Dark Phoenix is that it is way more gritty. I think it affects you in a way more visceral way because it's not a comic vibe. It's very real, it's very raw, and it was very scary at times. It's scary to think that someone you love is losing their mind, unquote. According to Hutch Parker, all talking with comicbook.com, this tone of movie was Simon Kinberg's decision, quote, I mean the decision here. It was really Simon Kinberg's decision was to tell the Dark Phoenix story, but really tell it as Gene's story. So that was first and foremost. So it's a much more than thorough investigation of that saga of the story at that heart of the saga and much truer to Gene as a character. I think you're right that one of the challenges was how we do how do we balance what is in the comics in the galactic intergalactic nature of that storyline with wanting to stay more earth centric. And you know, we obviously made the decision to include some of that, but to keep it rooted in and round the characters we've come to know and love within the X Men. Unquote. Dark Phoenix will arrive in theaters on June 7th. Marvel's Black Panther has racked up some more awards, this time at the NAACP Image Awards. Black Panther racked up the awards for Outstanding Ensemble Cast in the Motion Picture, Outstanding Motion Picture, and Chadwick Boseman won Outstanding Actor in the Motion Picture, while Michael B. Jordan walked away with Outstanding Supporting Actor, Denai Guerrero won Outstanding Supporting Actress, and Letitia Wright got Outstanding Breakthrough Performance in the Motion Picture. Ryan Coogler was, award, award, was given the award for Outstanding Directing in the Motion Picture, and Coogler and Joe Robert Cole got Outstanding Writing in the Motion Picture. The soundtrack also got some love. Kendrick Lamar was awarded Outstanding Soundtrack Compilation, and Lamar and SZA won Outstanding Duo, Group, or Collaboration for All the Stars. Well, 
One of the highlights of my trip to Planet Comic Con was a visit to the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema to see Captain Marvel. Well, you're welcome, Marvel. I just contributed to Captain Marvel breaking the $1 billion mark at the global box office. In the U.S., the film has made about $360 million, and the overseas take comes out to about $645 million, bringing the worldwide total to $1 billion, $4 million plus dollars. That's an awesome amount for just four weeks. Now, you've probably picked up your tickets for Endgame, and I hope you picked a theater with comfortable seats, because you're going to be in them for a long time. The movie runs just over three hours, and co-director Joe Russo addressed the length during an interview with Box Office Pro. Quote, We're still looking at a similar time, approximately three hours. This one's been very specific in its runtime. It really hasn't changed since we executed the first cut of the film. Even though we've shot a lot of footage between now and then, we've swapped things out and the water keeps rising to the same level because the story is so dense. We have so many characters that we're working with, again, that require that kind of runtime. Unquote. In other words, when you have a dozen or more characters that all need screen time, your length is going to get really long. We now have a definitive idea of who was dusted after the snap in Infinity War. Marvel released a series of posters featuring characters that survived and didn't. Among the survivors when Endgame picks up are Iron Man, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Happy Hogan, Wong, Okoyo, Ant-Man, Nebula, Rocket Raccoon, Hawkeye, Pepper Potts, Bruce Banner, Captain America, Thor, and War Machine. Among the Fallen are Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch, Gamora, Mantis, Loki, Nick Fury, Vision, Bucky Barnes, Drax, Falcon, Groot, Wasp, Shuri, Spider-Man, and Star-Lord. So, plan your movie cosplay accordingly. Well, out with the old and in with the new members of the MCU, it looks like Angelina Jolie might be showing up in the next phase of Marvel movies. The actress is in negotiations to star in The Eternals. The Eternals were created by Jack Kirby and has an expansive story that covers thousands of MCU galactic history. The film will be directed by Chloe Zhao. No word on what part Jolie is going for. It could either be Cersei, Thena, or Ulysses. But it is expected to hit screens sometime in 2020. The Hollywood Reporter also reports now that Kamal Nanjiani is also in talks to join the Eternals. Season 2 of Cloak and Dagger returns the freeform this month, and there'll be a time jump from where the characters were in the first season. Season 2 starts eight months later after Ty was forced to be on the run, hiding out in an abandoned church. In an interview with CBR, star Aubrey Joseph said, quote, With season 1, we literally watched them figure out how to maneuver, how to, how to maneuver with these powers. So season two from the jump, you see them becoming these badass superheroes. You know, it still takes time. Obviously, they're young and they're still learning. But specifically for Ty, eight months in a church by yourself, it's a lot of time in your hands to practice your powers. Obviously, so I think it'll be worth the wait to see that. Unquote. This is also handy as we get to see the cloak and dagger powers expand. And uh, just when you thought Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s seventh season was its last, 
maybe think again? Jeff Loeb in a panel at WonderCon said that, quote, by the time you get to May 10th, you will have nothing better to do than to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., knowing how the Avengers story ended in, in Endgame. So that should tell you, particularly when you saw, saw today the one year later. Co-showrunner Maurice Tancharian explained, We're not ending, in response to Season 7 being the show's last. Quote, We always think we're going to end each season, and being renewed is a bonus each year. So... Do you think this will be the end? Now, let's take a break. I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of Multiverse Tonight. You know, one way you can support the show is to listen to it through the Radio Public app. Every episode of Multiverse Tonight that is heard through the Radio Public app, for iPhone or Android, means that you can get this podcast, and we get a couple of cents in our can. Find the Radio Public app in Google and iTunes app stores, and give it a try today. And now, back with some DC news. It's been over a year and a half since Justice League came out. You might remember that during reshoots, Henry Cavill was in the midst of shooting the new Mission Impossible movie and sporting a mustache. In order to cover up Superman's unexpected lip hair, the production had to go to lengths to cover it up, causing the fakest-looking upper lip area ever. Now, Real Anarchy has debuted a photo... You're gonna love this. Uh, from the set showing Cavill sporting the mustache. Frankly, I think they shouldn't have removed it. They should have just added a beard. It would have made more sense with the Death of Superman sort of story they were trying to tell. Back in 2009, The Dark Knight was not nominated for the Best Picture Oscar. This has been seen as one of the greatest snubs in awards history. Its snubbing encouraged the Academy to widen the field the next year to 10. At a Q&A session following an IMAX screening of The Dark Knight on March 30th in LA in honor of Batman's 80th anniversary, when asked about it, Nolan responded with, quote, yeah, which is kind of a cool consolation prize, I guess. The unquote. The IMAX screening tour will continue this month with screenings in New York, San Francisco, Toronto, and Indianapolis. We keep getting new information f- about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, and it looks like Jai Courtney will be returning to the role of Captain Boomerang. Margot Robbie will be back as Harley Quinn, and Viola Davis will be back as Amanda Waller. We also have word from Variety that uh, Idris Elba will be playing a new character that will be replacing Deadshot. For a film that's not a sequel, it sure sounds like a sequel and not a reboot. 80 years of DC Comics will now be at your fingertips, as DC Comics will be releasing their creative output in a new feature to the DC Universe streaming service. DC Universe Senior Vice President and General Manager Sam Aids said at WonderCon, quote, From the time DC Universe launched last season, our fans have loved the comic experience and have asked us for just one thing, more. The expansion to thousands of titles in January 2019 was the first step in our goal to deliver on that request, to provide DC Universe members full access to the pantheon of DC's epic superhero stories. 
We're thrilled to respond to our fans yet again with the incredible value of the ultimate DC Digital Comics Library. Unquote. The service will cost $7.99 a month. With all the new shows they're adding, this service is looking better all the time. The premiere of Swamp Thing has been announced. The new series, made for the DC Universe streaming service, will debut on March 31st. Here's a synopsis. When CDC researcher Abby Arcane returns to her childhood home of Homa, Louisiana, in order to investigate a deadly swamp-borne virus, she develops a surprising bond with scientist Alec Holland, only to have him tragically taken from her. But as powerful forces descend on Homa, intent on exploiting the swamp's mysterious properties for their own purposes, Abby will discover that the swamp holds mystical secrets, both horrifying and wondrous, and the potential love of her life may not be dead after all. The series stars Jennifer Beals, Andy Bean, Virginia Madsen, and more. And speaking of Swamp Thing, here's a little trivia for you. Constantine first appeared in the Saga of Swamp Thing, number 37, back in 1985. Well, actor Matt Ryan has revealed that he wants John Constantine to show up in the new series. Ryan commented on this during a panel at Wizard World Cleveland, saying, quote, John Constantine was born in Swamp Thing. Eventually, he has to be on Swamp Thing, and that I just hope it's me, unquote. Now, staying with DC Universe news, an image has surfaced of star Breck Basinger as Stargirl. This looks to be a costume similar to the one the character wears in the comic. Breck is shown holding the star rod as well, and you can see Stripe's leg in the background behind her. The new series should be out in 2020. How did the other Captain Marvel, Shazam, do at the box office this week? For opening weekend, it made $56.8 million in the United States, and on the foreign box office, it made $102.3 million for a worldwide box office total of $159,130,326. It opened at number one, which is pretty good for the big red cheese. Arrow's next season will be, the, will be its last, and Arrow star Emily Beck. Richards has announced her departure from the series prior to this next last season. Richards plays Felicity Smoke, a role that debuted in 2012. She made the announcement in a letter on Instagram, quote, The time has come to talk of many memes, of bows and arrows and superheroes and elicity and queens, and why TGA is so damn hot and yes, canaries need more scenes. But wait just one minute before we go and do all that, or this makes me out of breath. To have this not small chat, Felicity and I are a very tight two. But after one through seven, we will be saying goodbye to you. I thank you for all the time we've shared, the elevators we've climbed, the monsters we have faced and scared, and the burgers we have dined. I will keep her in my heart for always, and I hope that you you can too, because she would not be alive if it weren't for all of you. Love, Felicity, and me." We wish her well in her future endeavors. Deep news. You can now pay homage to the first Mickey Mouse cartoon, as Lego Ideas Steamboat Willie set has been released. The set idea was first submitted to Lego Ideas by Matt Zabo back in 2016 and quickly earned the 10,000 votes needed for it to be considered by Lego. 
The set has 751 pieces and includes Mickey, Minnie, Mickey's Parrot, Hidden Wheels, Moving Steam Pipes, and a Rotating Paddle Wheel, an Adjustable Crane, and it's all in glorious black and white. If you want one, go to the Lego shop and get yours for just $89.99. We'll have a link to it in our show notes. Mark Hamill is a man of many voices. Now he lends his vocal talents to the killer doll Chucky in the new reboot of Child's Play. He announced it on Twitter, quote, People let me tell you about my best friend. The wicked fun begins when At Child's Play Movie is unleashed in theaters. Friday, June 21st, 2019. Hashtag, so lucky I'm Chucky. Unquote. Original Child's Play director Tom Holland tweeted back, quote, Smart move, with a thumbs up emoji. Unquote. The Big Bang Theory is almost done, and one mystery apparently will never be answered. Penny's maiden name. That's right, in 12 years of episodes, her last name has never been seen or uttered. Executive producer, the executive producer told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, Eventually, we got nervous and superstitious about giving her one. It will always be Hofstadter, unquote. So I guess we'll never know. Perhaps it was blank. The directors of the new Pet Cemetery remake really wish the trailers and commercials hadn't spoiled so much, especially the death of the daughter, Ellie. However, they did defend the trailer and even point out a benefit in the interview with Collider. Dennis Weidmeyer said, quote, Yeah, we would not have done that, but we don't work in marketing. But I will say, though, to their credit, that we tested the film in a bunch of different cities, as you always do with studio films. And our score went up after the trailer was revealed. I'm not saying it was because of that. We had made the movie better, obviously, in between, but I don't know. There is something to be said about people sort of knowing going in already what to expect and then being ready to for it rather than blindsided by it if they're not into it, unquote. Pet Cemetery comes to uh, theaters this past week. Pet Cemetery uh, producer Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, speaking with Co- Conscience of Sound, said that a sequel is possible, but thinks that it should be a prequel instead. Quote, I think if there's anything here, there's a prequel. I think if you look at the book, we didn't cover all that stuff that happens before the Creed family moves in. So I think there's a movie there, and I think I'd be partially interested in doing that because, again, it's the source material, and you're going towards something that also has a lot of crazy, creepy feelings toward about it. So, would you rather want to see a prequel or a sequel, or just give it up and neither? Screen Rant has confirmed that Netflix has review- has renewed the Umbrella Academy for season two. Production is expected to be underway from May tw- 2019 through to September 2019. And no words on the plot or release date have been forthcoming, so watch this space. Apple has announced its new streaming service with the unimaginative name of Apple TV+. Plus. The service will launch this fall and will be available in over a hundred countries. Announced a live event where Jason Momoa and Alfred Woodard starring in a new sci-fi series called C. There is also a show from M. Night Shyamalan planned. 
a reboot of Amazing Stories, a space drama from Ronald D. Moore, and Foundation, based on the work of Isaac Asimov. Yep, another streaming service, folks. Dig in. Toy Story 4 director Josh Cooley has confirmed that the late Don Rickles will still voice Mr. Potato Head. Don passed away two years ago this month at the age of 90, not having recorded any new dialogue for the sequel. In a tweet, Josh Cooley said, quote, Some people say funny things. I say things funny. Don Rickles. All of his pieces may be, rec- re- may be replaceable, but his voice is not. Honored he signed on for TS4. Honored he's in TS4. Unquote. There has been no uh, elaboration on how his voice will be in the movie. However, it's more than likely that they will use vocal performances that were not used from the past three movies, and he will just be around, but not integral to the plot of the the storyline. So, happy happy, uh, Mr. Potato Head. Actress and model... Tanaya Mallet has passed away. Let's try that again. Actress and model Tanaya Mallet has passed away. Tanaya can best be known for her role in the classic James Bond movie, Goldfinger, where she played the role of Tilly Masterson. Tanaya is a cousin of actress Helen Mirren. She was born in Blackpool, England. She was working as a model when she was cast by Albert Cubby Broccoli for the role in Goldfinger. Goldfinger is her only screen role. She returned to modeling after after the movie. Tanya Mallet passed away at the age of 77. Rankin Bass composer and arranger Maury Laws has passed away. Maury was the musical director for Rankin Bass and supervised scoring on such classics as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Frosty the Snowman, and The Hobbit. He arranged and conducted all the music for the perennial classic Rudolph. The success of that led to work with Fred Astaire on Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Danny Kaye in Here Comes Peter Cottontail, Angela Lansbury on The First Christmas, and Judy Collins on The Wind in the Willows. Murray was nominated for a Grammy in 1979 for the music in the animated The Hobbit. He would also later score The Return of the King animated sequel. He not only worked for Rankin Bass, but also scored for many movies and TV. Now, here's a bit of trivia for you. Back in 1960, he wrote the arrangement of the song Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini without credit. Laws is survived by his wife Karen, his three children, two sisters, nieces, and nephews. Maury Laws was 95 years old. Now that brings us to the end of this show. Uh, now, be sure to check us out on social media. We're at Twitter, multi, at Multi-Universe Tom, also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And if you'd like to contribute some money, please visit mtpodcast.com to go to our coffee or Patreon as well. And be sure to visit multiversetonight.com and check our affiliate marketplace links, the link to our Tee Public store, show notes, and so much more. And if you're a subscriber, be sure to share us with your friends. And if you're brand new to the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us some feedback and let us know how we're doing. 
Special thanks to Lobo Loco for our theme music. Thanks for watching Multiverse tonight. We'll be back in two weeks. Now please exit, exit the universe in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half Big Genre Productions. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.